Chapter 10 McComber pushed his dreadlocks from his surly face as he picked up the phone receiver on the other side of the plexiglass that separated inmates from visitors. He was stupid enough to roll his eyes when he saw me. What do you want? I want everything you know about Sarah Pelfrey. He shrugged. I told you everything. Sarah and I are in Narcotics Anonymous together. Pardon me if I don't believe you. I happen to know a little more about you than you think. I know you've got a thing for setting things on fire, especially in Pennsylvania. That doesn't bode well for someone who was last seen outside Chase Hogsworth's house 20 minutes before it went up in flames. I was acquitted of those charges. They couldn't prove anything, and I left Hawksworth's house after we had words. I wasn't anywhere near it when it caught fire. I don't know, Stevie boy. Doesn't look good. Especially with the restraining order. So how often did you see Sarah at N.A.? That's confidential. Everything that happens in the group stays in the group. Once a week, twice a week. Did you need a meeting every day? I told you it's confidential. When did you see her last? It's important that you tell me. Her safety could depend on it. You know how these drug dealers operate. If one of Pablo Hernandez's cronies has hold of her, she could be dead. There's enough wannabe Scarfaces out there who would kill a snitch like Sarah just to show how cool they are. McComber slumped back into his chair and pushed his dreadlocks out of his face again. I saw her Wednesday night, before she went to work at the Cat's Meow. You know what she did for a living, then? Yeah. He fell silent, but I couldn't tell if it was out of concern for her or irritation at me. So how long did you ride the dragon? He sighed again, and his arrogance disappeared. About five years. I started in college at Penn State. What made you start? I was at a party. I thought I'd just give it a try. Instead, I got hooked immediately. Ruined my college career, my parents threw me out. Screwed up my life pretty bad. It generally does. He was silent again. I've been clean about three years now. N.A. helps. It helps me stay that way. When did you start attending the N.A. meetings here? When you and Saul moved into town to try to shut down the most economic progress F-Town has seen since the 80s? Fracking destroys the land and poisons the water supply. You and I both know that. Sol just wants to ensure there's clean water for the generations that come after us. The arrogance of his cause again filled his voice. And burning down Chase Hawksworth's house as a way to make your point? He shook his head. I'm done. I'm not saying any more to you. He gestured for a deputy to come unlock the shackles that tethered him to his side of the cubicle. He hung up the receiver and flipped me the bird as Gardosia led him back to his cell. It didn't bother me much that I didn't get anything out of McComber. There was one person I knew might be able to help me find out what really went on at the Narcotics Anonymous meeting. I got up, left the jail, and headed down to the Church of Divine Love and Deliverance. Pastor Jimmy Candelino. I called him Blue, was straightening up the chairs for Saturday night service when I walked in. The Church of Divine Love and Deliverance sat in an old strip mall in the Tubman Gardens neighborhood, the only light in a string of dark storefronts. 
The church was one of those Pentecostal come-to-Jesus churches that seemed to attract the downtrodden and undereducated, making them easy pickings for charlatans and cons. It also struck me as very foreign to the elegance and history of the Catholic Mass I'd grown up with, but now regularly avoided at St. Rita's. Like most folks with criminal records in F-Town, Jimmy Blue was anything but foreign to me. We'd gone to high school together. His parents lived in New Tivoli around the corner from my folks. Jimmy Blue never seemed to make the right choices. When I returned from four years in the Air Force, he was known more for what he put up his nose. In fact, he'd been called Jimmy Blue for so long, hardly anyone remembered his original nickname was spelled B-L-E-W. As I said, Jimmy Blue first came by his nickname due to a cocaine addiction. It was the 80s, after all. Everyone was doing it. He graduated to heroin, then to pain pills and meth. Rehab never seemed to take for Jimmy Blue. Whether that was the court-ordered type, or something he thought he would spend his own money on to try again. Over the course of my career with the FPD, Jimmy served as a confidential informant on more than one occasion. I found him more than once in the back alleys in the streets of F-Town, either searching for chemical compounds to obliterate his current reality, or selling the same to others. When caught, he was also more than willing to sell out anyone he dealt with to stay out of jail. Somewhere along the line, Jimmy found Jesus in the 12-step program of Narcotics Anonymous. That seemed to work. He abandoned the Catholicism of our youth and found comfort and sobriety in the fundamentalist churches that seemed to pop up and disappear like so many fast food joints. Before long, Jimmy had his own Bible-pounding church and a wife who he also met at N.A., who served the church by playing the electric keyboard at services. Time and addiction had not been kind. Like many of us, his big muscular frame had gone soft. And like Sarah, addiction had also taken its toll on his teeth. When he smiled, I saw two gold hooks at the top of his upper molars, holding six false front teeth in place, the real one having been lost in a jailhouse brawl. They gleamed brightly against his yellow lower teeth. While he had kicked drugs, Jimmy Blue still wrestled with vanity. His greased back hair had never gone gray, but shone like the coat of a panther, not the skunk he'd been in the past. His suits had all the taste of a has-been mobster, with obnoxious ties and pinstripes. Niccolo! Niccolo fits you! I haven't seen you in ages! He stopped arranging the chairs and we hugged briefly. What brings you down here? I'm looking for some information, Jimmy. I'm looking for somebody named Sarah Hunter Pelfrey. She goes by a couple aliases. Hunter Hawksworth, Sarah Hunter, Lucy Pelfrey. You know her? He rested his arms on the back of one of his folding chairs. Yes, yes I do. Have you seen her lately? She's disappeared and a client of mine is trying to find her. He arched an eyebrow. She's not in trouble, is she? I don't know. She very well could be. Her car caught on fire Friday and there was a body found in the trunk. It wasn't hers, but the police are looking at her as a person of interest and, as I said, I have a very concerned family member who wants to find her. She also could be a target of a drug dealer she was supposed to testify against. Jimmy shook his head. I haven't seen her in the last few days. Here or at your N.A. meetings? She's not been in either place. 
Do you know if she has any connections with Steve McComer, the leader of Soul? You know, Fitz, everything that happens in those groups is confidential. I can't tell you anything. Don't bullshit me, Jimmy Blue. You'd sell out your mother, your father, and Santa Claus if it would keep you out of jail. Sarah could be in danger. Someone could be trying to kill her. You need to tell me where the hell she is if you know. It could save her life. Jimmy hung his head. Uh, the truth is, Sister Sarah and Brother Steve had been dating for a couple of months. I thought they would make a great couple, helping each other stay sober. That's how I met my wife. But that wasn't always the case because I, I didn't realize who Steve McComer was. What do you mean? Brother Steve believes in what he's doing. Probably a little too much. As the group leader, I often had to steer him away when conversations turned to fracking. Several members come to our meetings to stay on the path of sobriety and fight the temptations that big paychecks bring. They don't come to get vilified for destroying the land. Did he get belligerent with them? Did he ever make any threats? He shook his head. No, no, he never threatened anybody with physical violence over fracking. He could just get, you know, pushy about his cause and soul, but he never threatened anyone at the group. What do you mean, at the group? Did he ever threaten Sarah outside the group, or any place you know of? Jimmy Blue was silent for a moment. I know of one occasion. Brother Steve was pissed the night he found out that Chase Hawksworth was Sarah's father, and that she regularly accepted money from him from rent and car payments. He was at her apartment when he found out. He started screaming at her about taking blood money, and then he hit her. At least that's what she told me. She called me and my wife, Livy, and I rushed right over there. Uh, he was already gone by the time I arrived, but uh, he managed to break some dishes and scare pretty bad. She had bruises on her arms where he grabbed her, and there was a little bit of blood on her lip, but she refused to call the police. When was this, recently? Uh, about two weeks ago. I nodded. Did they split up after that, or are they still together? It never ceased to amaze me how women and occasionally men continued to stay in violent relationships. But it made me think, could McComer be responsible for Tommy Lynn's murder? Could he have come to Sarah's apartment? Could they have argued again over her father, and could it have turned violent between Sarah and McComer? Could Tommy Lynn, even in his injured state, have attempted to intervene? More importantly, could it have gotten both of them killed? I don't know. I haven't seen Sarah at a meeting for about a week. I assumed she found another NA group and wasn't coming back because Brother Steve would be there. I haven't seen her here since a couple Saturday nights ago at services. So she was part of your flock? Not regularly, but she'd come in every once in a while. She seemed to have a lot on her mind when she was here that night. Probably because of the upcoming Hernandez trial, I thought to myself. Beneath all that dullness... She might actually have been scared about testifying. Or was it because she'd been threatened again by her idiot boyfriend? Thanks, Jimmy. If you see her, can you tell her that I'm looking for her? I need her to call me. I will. I got back into my excursion and headed for home. At the next stop sign, my smartphone rang. I pulled it off the dashboard to look at it. The number was blocked. That didn't bother me too much. Several of the divorce lawyers I dealt with did that. I answered the call. Fitzhugh Investigations. You gotta stop this, Fitz. You're gonna get me killed. I recognized that flat voice. Sarah, is that you? 
I've been looking for you. Yeah, I know. Just quit looking for me, okay? I didn't hear fear in her words. I heard irritation. Where are you? Are you safe? No one's threatening you? Sarah, your father needs to hear from you. The police want to talk to you. My father? Big Chase? You're kidding me, right? Fuck. You're not being held by anyone associated with Pablo Hernandez? You're okay? No, none of Pablo's loser friends have me, Fitz. I was safe until you started looking for me. This is worse than I thought. I heard her inhale on something. A cigarette, a joint, a crack pipe. What's worse, Sarah? What do you mean? Where are you? Sarah! There was a click, and the call was over.